Okay, let me just pray. Father, I want to say thank you to you for your presence. We thank you, Lord God, for all that you, you have in mind and in store for us. And Father, we ask that today will be a day of breakthrough, a, a day, Lord God, where, where things that seem to have been immovable, things that have opposed us and hindered us, would just be swept aside. Ask it in your precious name, Lord. Amen. Okay. We have been talking, and uh, you know this by now, we've been celebrating the call, God, God's call upon this place that brought us t to this time and space. Um, 25 years of the vineyard here in St. Albans, and we've looked at uh, a number of verses, verses that have seemed to have capture what it is we're about. Luke chapter four, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, etc., and so forth. Uh, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, God is able to do more, far more than we can ask or imagine. And then last week, I was sort of really talking about a vision for the church, and, uh, and I, I don't just mean what we're going to do this year and, uh, you know, the, the sort of immediate things, but a vision for the church, meaning let's get online with, in line with God's vision for the church, his idea and what he has in mind. There were a number of things I said last week. I'm going to unpack these over the next two or three weeks as we run up towards Easter so that we can really celebrate all that who, who he is and he's done for us at Easter, but also with a fresh awareness and understanding of who we are and how he sees us. But last week I spoke about the church as being a new community, a new commu community, a place which models the kingdom of God. What happens in here and in every church on a Sunday should be a foretaste of heaven. It should give us a glimpse an experience and, uh, and, and just a taste of, of, of what is to come and in ever increasing measure. So the more that we learn and the more we grow together and, and function in Christ in the, in the wider community, so we should know more of his favor and his blessing so that we can model what it is to be part of Christ's church on earth. And I finished up with a little verse, uh, Matthew, I think it's Matthew 5, I can't remember, where it says, um, a city on a hill should not be hid and, and, and cannot be hid. And that's how God sees the church, not sort of something that's tucked away in private when you just don't know what's going on in there. But actually, what we are should be plain for people to see. And it should be consistent with the word of God and consistent with the grace of God and the love of God. And so what we model here to one another should be plain for all to see because that's what God intends for the church, this new com community. Now, one of the elements, one of the elements that, uh, that I uh, looked at last week was, uh, was about bearing one another's burdens. And I spoke in that about how we, we should learn to love one another. I, I gave you a little bit of my story. And this week, you know, as I've been thinking about a number of things and, and considering various thoughts and, and things on the, the, you know, the conference I was at, I felt that the Lord was wanting me to just uh, revisit that. And in fact, curiously enough, it may be in this area that there is going to be a breakthrough today. Bearing one, another, one another's burdens. Galatians 6, 8 says we should bear one another's burdens. How do we do that? You know, what, that is, what is that about? Yeah, yeah, we want to be nice to one another. Please, God, let us be nice to one another. Uh, we we, we want to care for one another, but actually it's more than that. It's more than just being polite and courteous and not cutting somebody up as you arrive in the car park and nicking their parking space or elbowing them in the ribs when you're going for the last donut on the rack, you know. 
It's more than that. And as, he, actually, as I was thinking about this, various sort of trains of thought occurred to me, but curiously enough, the Lord wanted me to read you a story out of the Old Testament, which, which I'm not going to actually say much about. It, it, just wait, one little comment, but I was very sure that he wanted me to read you this story. So I'm going to do that now. I'm going to have a quick cough. Well done, mate. <laughs> Cut that out, otherwise perforated your eardrums. That would be a blessing, wouldn't it? You know? Okay, and this passage is curious little passages in 1, uh, 1 Kings uh, uh, 17. It's not going to come up on the screen because it was really pretty much early this morning when the Lord just sort of really impressed us upon me. So I'll read it to you. If you've got a Bible or a Blackberry or something, you might be able to turn it up with me. 1 Kings 17, beginning at uh, verse uh, 7, I think. Oh, my gosh. Now this is about the prophet Elijah. He was one of the greats, the heroes of the faith in the Old Testament, the prophet Elijah. And he has just um, had an extraordinary power encounter, that's what we call them, with the prophets of Baal. And actually he's pretty done in at the end of this. In fact, he, he, as often happens with, the, with, with very spiritual people, after a great victory they kind of seem to get plunged into a depression. And he was plunged into a depression. He kind of got through that with God's help. And then he says, then the Lord says this to, this, this to him. Verse 7. Sometime later, the brook that which Elijah was beside dried up because there had been no rain in the land. In fact, Elijah had prophesied that the Lord had told Elijah that there was going to be a drought for two or three years. And it literally suddenly kicked in. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Elijah, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. And I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? You know, this was now in a deep drought. And this poor widow, she's gathering sticks. She can't even afford to buy... Um, by firewood in the market, she's scrabbling around in the dirt outside of the city. And what does Elijah ask of this woman? He asks of her that which is probably most precious in this season, a cup of water. Go and get me some water, please. And she doesn't argue, she doesn't resist, she doesn't sort of kick up a fuss. She doesn't say, in a minute I'm busy. She doesn't do anything, she decides, she just goes and does it. And as she, as she begins to go, Elijah adds insult to injury, if you will, by saying, would you bring me a little water so that I may have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called, and bring me please a piece of bread. I mean, this is a bit sort of, you know, kind of a bit bossy, isn't he, really? He's trying on his luck here. Verse 12, as surely as the Lord God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. That's how bad the drought, the famine is in the land. And here's this hairy prophet bloke saying, get me water, get me some food. Elijah says to him, verse 13, Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. He sees fear all over this woman. He can smell the fear on her. 
Widows in Israel have, have always had a hard time unless they've got strong, powerful sons to, to uh, protect them. The book is full of many stories of widows, Ruth and Naomi, widows that have a hard time. There's no welfare state. Somehow the widows seem to fall through the cracks. And here she is, the last of her oil, the last of her flour, and she's about to die. And Elijah says to her, don't be afraid. And then he goes on. Go home and do as you have said. But first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up. and The jug of oil will not run dry until the day of the Lord. The day the Lord sends rain on the land. And she went away, so there was food, and, and, and did what Elijah told her. And there was food every day for Elijah, and for the woman, and her family. Not just the son, but the family as well. And the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Now, the little thought, the little principle here, which I want you to take me away, I've heard somebody knocking principles recently. Principles are important. Why? Because they're transferable. I can read you a story, and I can pontificate all spiritual-sounding things, but if I teach you a principle, you can take that principle away, and you can apply it to your life. That's why it's transferable. I love principles. That's what good teachers of God's word should do. They should pull out the principles. Not just the nice stories that make you go, ah, isn't that nice? Principles are important. Because you can take that principle away and apply it to your life. The principle I want you to get out of this story is that there is an element of sacrifice involved in bearing one another's burdens. There is an element of cost and the woman here, she had just enough bread, uh, flour, just enough oil to feed her son and herself one last meal and die. And now this stranger imperiously asks that she run and fetch for him. And what's more, give her some of the last of her flour. Now bless her heart, she had to make a decision. She could have told Elijah to take a running jump. But she didn't. She, in that moment decided to have faith in God because Elijah was saying this is a God thing and gave her, gave the, the, Elijah, excuse me, some of the, the seed corn, if you know what I mean. Do you know what I mean by that? Uh, in in um, subsistence agriculture, you, you, know, you have a harvest and you, you eat and feed your family with the harvest corn, whatever it is, but you keep back what you call the seed corn because that's what you sow next year. Otherwise, you don't, nobody gets fed. So here, Elijah is asking her to take that step of faith and give of her very uh, seed corn, not just the surplus, the bit extra, the bit she had behind the clock on the mantelpiece for a rainy day. It's, it's the very core. And very often where we, when we learn how to get a breakthrough in bearing others, 
on others' burden, we begin to really carry that burden. It says in Galatians, bear one another's burdens. That means that you take their burden and you make it your burden. It's not, oh, that little old lady down the road, she's struggling a bit. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna, do you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna buy a loaf of bread and a pint of milk and put it on a doorstep, that'll bless her. It's about making her pain your pain. You know, the early Christians, the community around them said, see how they love one another. They were struck by that. I have always found this principle a challenge. But as we begin to embrace it and understand it and we make our burden, that other person's burden, our burden, we will see increased breakthrough. There's a lovely promise in God's word. Luke 6, verse 38. I think I might even have this one. Did I? Yeah, I got this up. Luke 6, 38. Jesus says this, given it will be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Given it will be given to you. You see, you making that sacrifice, you giving to one another, you sharing one another's burdens, you making their hurt, their pain, your hurt, your pain, it releases something. It brings about a breakthrough. You know, I, I remember, I don't know whether, a few weeks ago, I think, is, are you, is that Sharon? I'm squinting into the dark. We had a, some fun here where we gave some money away. Who was there well, that morning when we did that? A lot of you were here, a lot of people missed it, but. We, uh, it kind of spontaneously happened in the moment. We just uh, started giving people tenors. And then there, I called out this, this woman at this service, and her name was called Sharon, and got up front, because she needed more than a tenor, and we gave her some money, and we all just came up and gave her money. And I, I didn't know her from Adam, to be perfectly honest. But the wonderful thing was in her testimony, she said that that month, God had really spoken to her through a friend, a lovely Christian friend who she'd known very, for a very long time about tithing. And she was a single mum. She was working hard, but she just really wasn't making the bills and making payments. But she began tithing that month. And she came to the church that morning and she tithed this particular month for the first time. And uh, in fact, that morning she had a 20p left in her purse and she put that in the offering. So she tithed and she put the 20p in. And then she, of all people, got called out. And she went, I don't know how much she got. I mean, it was hundreds of pounds there. And it was just an incredible example of this. You know, she had given, she'd made that commitment, that sacrifice, and, and quicker than one could reasonably expect, God had blessed her. You know, I'm a bit random today because I've got this thing, this chest thing going on, but, but you know, talking about the tithe, I, I want to just talk, I, I just want to talk about the tithe for a minute. The tithe, in case you don't know, is, is the tithe is the 10% that the scripture says that we should give to God. In fact, to tell you what, Let's see, we've got some money here. Okay, here we go. This is going to cost me a fortune. Matt, can I have the lights down on this platform here? Thank you. Who? Uh, who, who needs a tenor? You were the first. Come on up here. 
All right, I just want to teach something about... I just, sorry, what's your name? Vanessa. Vanessa, Vanessa, I'm going to give you this tenor in a minute, but I just want to model something about the tithe. I, I really, there's another principle about the tithe I want you to understand today. Okay, would you hold this for me for a minute? Hold it up, show it around. Okay. It's my tether. Would you hold it for me again, Vanessa? My tether. No problem. Vanessa, I'm going to give you this 10 pounds now. I want every single person to put their hand out, if you understand and that what I'm doing. I am giving Vanessa this 10 pounds. It is her 10 pounds, it is no longer my 10 pounds, it is her 10 pounds. Put your hand up if you've understood what I've just said, and you're witnessing to that. Who's, whose tenor is this? Okay, hold that up and show it around. Now we have a problem. Why is that a problem? Because it's Vanessa's 10 pounds. Thank you, Vanessa. Go back and enjoy the tenor. Now, why did I do that? I want to do that because I want you to understand something about tithing and the tithe. Phyllis and I, when we, we have a few days away, we did it just recently, we like visiting art galleries and museums. And very often, not always, but very often, when you go into a, an art gallery or museum these days, they have a big perspex box by the entrance. You've seen it, and it says, suggested contribution, five pounds. It's not obligatory, it's a suggestion. You know, and the, and the amount. When we are talking about the tithe, This is not a suggested contribution. The tithe is the Lord's. Say that with me. The tithe is the Lord's. 10% of your income, if you are a follower of Jesus, is the Lord's. That's why, let's put up that Malachi thing. Thank you. This is a... Difficult passage, difficult because it's kind of uncomfortable. And it says this, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, speaking to Israel. Because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. If you want to know what the storehouse is, it was the temple then. It's, it's the place where God's people meet now. If you don't believe me, ring up a rabbi. Ring up your local rabbi and, and, and ask them, what is the Hebrews' understanding of what the storehouse in Malachi uh, means? He will tell you it is the synagogue. Don't take my word for it. It's not the donkey sanctuary or the benevolent fun at the golf club or your, your kid's university education or anything like that. It says... That there may be food in my house. Test me in this. This is unique in the scripture where God says, test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven, pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to save it, to store it. Excuse me, you need to cough again. Am I on? Yeah, I'm on. You see, the reason the Lord has a problem when 
when we don't tithe is because it's his money. That's why he says you're robbing. If somebody says you robbed me, they're obviously under the impression that you stole what was theirs. So that's, the, that's why the tithe is important. Some people argue that it's an Old Testament thing. Listen, Abraham, the father of the faith, according to Galatians, the father of our faith, lived, depends who you listen to, let's say two and a half thousand, four thousand, I don't know, years ago. The law was only in existence for about 1,300 years in the middle. And people say, well, it's all to do with the law. No, it isn't to do with the law. It's pre the law. Jesus encouraged and endorsed tithing. Paul assumed tithing. I'm sorry if I'm being very blunt today, but I am so full of cold and congestion and viruses that there's not much finesse about me today. Is this all right, darling, or is this getting horrible? Good. Because she beats me up in the car, you know. (laughs) And we've taught here for many years the whole business of breaking the spirit of poverty, and, and we've seen joy in that. In fact, let's do that now. Let's give some more money away. Oh dear, I wish I'd brought so much money today. <laughs> Who needs a tenner? Really? Who else needs a tenner? There you go. Bless your heart. Who needs more than a tenner? Maybe a tenner's not going to let us cut it. Who needs more than a tenner? You're either all very wealthy, so the church is going to be really well from now on. Am I looking? Vanessa, you've still got your hand up. Do you really need more than a tenner? Come and join me up here. Give Vanessa a hand. You know, I'm not going to ask you what you need a tenner for. I'm just going to trust you here. Vanessa needs more than a tenner. If you've got a tenner or something, would you care to give Vanessa some money here? Let's just break this spirit of poverty. See, when we get generous, when we get our money right, our giving right, it breaks something, there's a breakthrough, and we find ourselves really in the very center of the Spirit of God. We find ourselves encountering God in an extraordinary way. Bless your heart. My gosh. Bless your heart. My gosh, just look at this. Oh, throat sweets, thank you, that's great. She gets the money and I get the cough sweet. <laughs> Somebody gone out that door there, is that far door open? Is that right? Is the far door open? Great, thank you. Yeah, that's, a, that's wonderful. Pop it all in there. That's great. 
you see, this is, this breaks something over us. I'm counting the pennies like you're counting the pennies. I knew I was gonna give money away this morning out of my own pocket, this isn't church money. I opened up my wallet, I happened to have 55 quid in it. And I thought, well, I'll only take 30 as I'm gonna give it away. <laughs> and then I thought, oh, come on, Chris, you know, honestly, if you're gonna teach it, live it, you know. Now, I'm gonna bless this. When you get home, count it up. You know you've got to give 10% back to God. <laughs> but you will find, because I'm going to bless this, this will be as much as you need to meet this current need, be it your rent, your car, whatever it is, there will be what you need there. Listen, I've seen this happen time and time and time again in 40 years of walking with Jesus. Father, bless Vanessa. Bless this money. And may it multiply her. And as she learns about the principle of tithing and giving, and as we learn about the principle of generosity and breaking the spirit of poverty, may you prosper us because you have said twice in our presence this morning, Lord, that if we give, it will be given to us, pressed down, flowing over. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Bless your heart. Bless you, Vanessa. One little story, one little story, and then we'll, we'll, we'll come up and worship again. I'm sorry I've been so croaky, and I'm sorry that if I've duffed you off a bit this morning, but that's just the best I can do this morning. We have found, Fliss and I have found that as we've tried to live this, not only has God taken care of us and prospered us, and for many years, I mean, I have to say to you, I mean, we've got a director's report today, Fliss and I, you know, we, uh, in the early days of the church when there wasn't much money, we raised a family of four on 15,000 pounds a year. I tell you, that takes some doing. It really did. I get paid a lot more than 15,000 now, you'd be pleased to know. I mean, I'm pleased to know. I don't know whether you're pleased to know, but. <laughs> but we have found God extraordinarily insightful and compassionate. Uh, and I'm going to honor my wife here and tell you a story which actually. Uh, features my wife, but the most important thing was the woman she showed some generosity to. Fliss and I were away in, at a conference in, uh, in Pensacola, Florida. There was a wonderful revival going on there, wonderful thing. And Fliss and I were there, and in, uh, because we were excited about going to this thing, as you do, you know, we, we, we got some new clothes, and Fliss bought some new, went to Boots and got a new makeup bag and lots of new makeup. It was just sort of because we were, had a little bit of money to do it, and we were excited about going on this trip to Pensacola, Florida for this wonderful revival conference. We got there, and it was absolutely amazing. In that revival, and it's, it's a church, it's, it's a bigger church than this, but a, a conservative estimate was that 100,000 new people made com commitments to Christ in this revival. 100,000. Just a regular church over an 18-month period. It ended up in tears. That's another story. Anyway, we are there. And Fliss, during the course of the worship time, and I'll probably get the story slightly wrong, but I got the essence right. Fliss, during the course of the worship time, felt the Lord say to her, you know that makeup I gave you? And she went, yes. She says, I want you to give it to that woman over there. 
And she looked across, and there was a couple, and we'd seen them before because although there were about four or 5,000 people at this conference, they were, we knew that they were missionaries who were back on furlough. Why? Because they had been invited up onto the platform just to talk a little bit about their work in, I don't know where it was, Guatemala or somewhere. I can't even remember. And Fliss thought, oh, that's stupid. What? And the Lord said, I want you to give your makeup bag to that woman over there. Is this right, Fliss? Yeah, she's nodding. Okay, so far, I won't get beat up in the car today. And then Fliss, I remember, turned to me and she said, I think like God said to me, I should give my makeup to that woman over there. And I said, well, if he said give it to that woman over there, go and give that makeup to that woman over there. I mean, makeup, big deal. (laughs) I said the wrong thing. So Fliss goes and takes this makeup over to this woman And she takes it and she bursts into floods of tears. Because that morning, so she told Fliss, uh, they'd been brought back on, on furlough. They were having been brought back from the mission field to have a three-month break. They brought the kids back. They had absolutely no money. And she was getting ready to come to the conference and she had the last little stub of lipstick which she kind of scraped onto her lips. And she burst into tears in front of the Lord, in, front of the, in the front of the mirror and saying, God, we, all these amazing people and they're all done up to the nines. And of course, Southern, Southern Bible Belt Christianity in America, I mean, it's all, everybody looks like Dolly Parton. And, <laughs> and that's just the men, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's the, that's the thing. And she, she's, and she said, I just feel so, she said, Lord, I feel so rubbish. Ministry is going to the pots, you know, kids, are, you know, husband and I, you know, can't, I mean, and she just had a little bit of a moan. She said, all I would like is a bit of lippy. And then at the end of the worship, a woman from a foreign country came over and gave her a brand new makeup bag full of brand new makeup and said, the Lord just told me to give you this. Well, I'm a bloke and I can get that. Just give the Lord a clap. You see, when you have the breakthrough in your finances and you start moving into this realm of blessing, God takes care. And it's not just making sure you get the, you know, your community tax bill in time. It's about, it's about God taking care of the little things. Why? Because he loves you. And you're his daughter and you're his son. And he makes things like lippy matter. Makes, he takes it personally. But you'll only ever walk in that blessing, that world, if you take like that widow, that step of faith, and give what is precious to you in order to see the kingdom extended. I'm done. Henry, come up, rescue me, mate. Let's just stand and let's pray. Bless you. Thank you. As they're coming up, I'm going to pray, but just a reminder, in the downstairs conference room, 
the directors, the guys who really just do such an awesome job managing the financial affairs of this church will be giving a little report back so you know what we're doing and that we're managing the money well. Let me just pray. Father, you promise us a breakthrough. And Lord, I pray that today will have been a breakthrough for many of us, if not all of us here. For those of us who've been faithful in tithing these many years, we've, we, we thank you for the privilege of being able to join you in the work of the ministry. And for those who have yet to begin to make the resolve and to take that step of faith and to begin tithing, giving you your, what is yours, I pray, Lord, that, that you would do that now in Jesus' name. And now, Lord, I pray that you would bless us as we bless you. Amen. Oh,